Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the brand new cutscene that suddenly landed in Destiny with Osiris and Rasputin. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live when I'm streaming. Or if you're on YouTube, you can hit the like, share, subscribe button, and the little bell button, or leave a comment. Those are all things that really, really help me out. And thank you to those of you that have been doing that. So if you're unaware, uh, there was a brand new cutscene that went into the game on February the 18th at Reset. You can watch it three different times if you have three different characters we just watched it for the third time on my warlock uh, this morning it allows you to see the cutscene when you first load up the game after selecting a character it shows osiris walking into a room talking to rasputin and then that's the end of the cutscene uh, i'm going to talk about what actually you know what happens i'm going to read you the dialogue from the cutscene i took pictures this morning uh, of my past broadcast and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the dialogue to you. Uh, then I want to talk about how it looks like we're going back to Mars. We've already kind of done the Mercury thing. We did that with Osiris, and we did that with the uh, the Sundial. And then I want to end by saying more EP and the future, like more Escalation Protocol, and then the future. Like, is this setting a pattern uh, for the future? So what happens? So obviously, as you've already heard me say, Osiris walks in and talks to Rasputin. And for those of you that saw it and maybe forget exactly what was said to kind of set the stage, I'm going to read you what was said. When he first goes in, he says it's been a while, old man, which I particularly liked him calling him old man. He said the tower looks at you and sees a god. And he says, but I see a thug, a murderer, betrayer. I actually like to be able to watch this multiple times. A lot of the artistry that went into the scene, Osiris's face gets really animated, even though half of it's covered. It gets really animated when he says a thug, a murderer, and a betrayer. And then he says, you know why I left the infinite forest, what I saw. That's interesting. Not really sure how Rasputin knows that. If Rasputin can see into the infinite forest or if Rasputin kind of knows what's coming. And then he says, a line has been drawn in this system, light on one side, dark on the other. Where do you stand? So he goes in very threatening, holding a gun at the end. He kind of raises it very, very sort of uh, confrontational here. And he <laughs> he basically says and confirms some of the things that we kind of already knew that there is a bit of a there's a bit of a tension right now in the game between the light and the dark. And the and the the pyramid ships, I think, could be the manifestation of this. They're you know the dark, maybe not necessarily the darkness, but they represent darkness. They represent something that is not the light. Uh, they are the ancient foe of the traveler. Uh, and he's 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 clearly talking about something that could happen. You know, he's like, you know, why I left the infinite forest. You know, you know why you know I'm I'm here basically. And it seems like he's giving Rasputin a choice. And Rasputin doesn't kill him. I mean, Rasputin could, uh, maybe. I mean, we don't know how strong Osiris is, but Rasputin could 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 have taken care of business if he needed to. He could lock him in there, not let him out, uh, and kill him uh, if need be. And Rasputin says something. People are claiming that they hear the word darkness. I really don't think so. That doesn't make any sense to have this really well-written, very dramatic scene and to have a Russian-speaking war mind suddenly just say the word darkness. I really don't think so. I think he's just making sound or making noise. Uh, and again, he, he when he has spoken to us in the past, he has spoken Russian and our ghost has translated at certain parts. And that doesn't seem to be in step with what he said. I love the memes that came from this. People saying things like, you know, D's nuts and OK Boomer and other things where they added a subtitle thing at the bottom. Uh, and so 
being in the infinite forest uh, apparently somebody in chat is saying there's a reddit post where being in the infinite forest when the undying mind was killed he saw the pyramid ship in place of the traveler well he talks about that sometimes when you're in the sundial how in different versions of the future the traveler is gone and different things have been going on so I definitely think that there are elements of this that have to do with possible future and I don't know if that means that Rasputin can see possible futures just like Osiris or if Osiris and Rasputin both know that you know, Rasputin can see into the infinite forest and can see all these infinite possibilities. I do want to talk about going back to Mars. If you go back and you watch my old, old content about a year ago when we were talking about the last annual pass and I was making recommendations about what to do next time or predictions about what they would do next time, I kind of said that this would be the way to do it. Don't leave these old planets and old activities dormant. Comb back through. It'd be a great way to bolster the content. It's a great way to kind of keep things more full. And they didn't really do that with with Mercury. We went back to Mercury, but not really. We were, we were in an offshoot area, and then that led into Sundial. They didn't really do anything with Mercury. They didn't do anything with the old grind, but they did use some of those weapons. They did use some of those weapons to bolster the weapon pool of the obelisks and the sundial. And so I said, you know, the next annual pass, they could slowly comb through each of the places we've been. They seem to be following that pattern with a return to Mars. I am really excited about this. I don't know if you guys remember. Maybe you didn't play it or maybe you forgot about it. The end of Warmind is really, really good. They go in to talk to Rasputin and Rasputin essentially says... I don't answer to you. I am basically a god and I don't answer to you. I'll do whatever I want. And I, that was just kind of hanging in the air. We're like, okay, bro. And then we leave. Like, we don't really know where that was leading. I like that the threads are being pulled together. I like that, as Luke Smith said, the the, the narrative is, is continuing from one thing into the next instead of just having it kind of happen and then it's over and there's no connection. I like that they're connecting them all together and retreading areas and characters that I find to be very interesting. Uh, this likely points to the next two years. This likely uh, is going to point to the next two years. When Bungie said that the summer of 2020 will be like no other time in Destiny, I'm wondering if the next stage in the DLC delivery is going to be returned to the Dreaming City and the Tangled Shore. The thing with the curse has been kind of hanging. Is the curse ever going to be broken? Is that ever going to get resolved? Stuff with Aldrin, stuff with the Queen. I could see them doing that this summer. And then in September would be the long-awaited return of the Dreadnought and a DLC that is more quote-unquote new. Obviously, the Dreadnought's not new, but Shadowkeep was new. And then after Shadowkeep, we seem to be going through the old areas and the old locations. So Dreaming City would be this summer, and then it would be something new in September. And then all the stuff that would happen after that would be a retreading of places we've already been. The Forges would be two years old at that point. Then Drifter with The Reckoning, that'd be two years old. And then Menagerie and Opulence would be two years old. I do feel like they have potentially shown us a likely pattern for the next two years, and I know folks are going to run and say, this is lazy, I'm sick of reskins. Just wait and see how it pans out. Uh, the, The way that they went back to Mercury for Season of Dawn, I don't think you could really argue is a reskin. It was a brand new activity. The obelisks were a brand new mechanic and there were tons of new weapons and guns and new perks that were added. Uh, I guess you could argue that a handful of the weapons were reskins, but again I'm okay with that. I would rather those old weapons and activities be repurposed and reused than left in the dumpster and left like just sort of on the shelf. So I think we're kind of getting a clue at the potential rhythm and, and structure for the next two years. And similar to Mercury, I think, the question question is, will there be a new activity? Which leads me to the end here. More escalation protocol and the future. 
a lot of folks are probably going to be worried about this and it's a big question mark you're bringing back trials are you also going to be bringing back escalation protocol this really fits with that line that says you know trials of osiris and more returns in season of the worthy well escalation protocol can quote unquote return i think the danger would be people would feel like you're selling us a season that's ten dollars and we already had trials before and you're giving it back to us and then we've already had escalation protocol my thought would be Escalation Protocol and maybe even Anna Bray could serve as the obelisk-free springboard. It's just something free that's happening. Give it a quality of life update. Let us let us match make into Escalation Protocol, you know, from orbit. If you go to the planet and you're confused about what's going on and you go to activate Escalation Protocol, it could trigger like when you go up to an adventure, it would show you like a little menu that says you're about to match make into EP and then it would take you into orbit and match make. Uh, and they, I don't know what they did with forges. I don't know what happens when you go into a forge now. I don't know if that pops up, but you can use the, the, the director to match make into the forges. That was a good quality of life update that they could do with EP. Also, they could refresh the loot pool. Obviously, the three weapons that were originally in there and the hand cannon makes four. That's four Icolos weapons. They could all afford to be given random rolls have them dropping in there and us pursuing some new roles would be really exciting you could get some cool stuff on those weapons again as something free similar to how the jack queen king came back and had some pretty cool roles that you could go for it instead of it just being a static roll weapon that's just sitting in collections and nothing is happening to it i do think that a new activity is likely needed i don't think they're going to want to just bank on ep being the activity If EP gets a retread and a quality of life update, that's great. That can be that free lane in the game that makes it feel alive and evolving. That's great for new light players who never really got to experience Escalation Protocol. Now it's suddenly relevant and given a facelift. But a new activity is likely needed. I don't know if Bungie's going to want to gamble on that. Hey, come spend $10 to engage with content that you've had before. I think everybody's sort of in agreement that Trials of Osiris needs to be behind a paywall as well as some time-gated quests to help with cheat management if you ban somebody and they create a new account make it really hard for them to get back in there into trials trials is also end game so people shouldn't be jumping in right away day one so to me trials of osiris and escalation protocol feels like a really good sort of hey let's bring this back and this is a return of these activities and these things but i definitely think they're going to want to have a new activity uh, or at least a really really new iteration and evolution of ep i'm excited they're bringing ep back i'm sorry mars back i'm excited they're bringing mars back and excited that Rasputin's going to be back center stage again, and I am excited about the prospect and the potential of them bringing back Escalation Protocol. We're going to transition to Q&A. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, or as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about the brand new cutscene with Osiris and Rasputin that is likely pointing to where we're going in Season of the Worthy. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, or if you're on YouTube, hitting like, share, subscribe, and the little bell button and leaving a comment is a great way to help me out. We're going to jump right into the questions. Kane with the first question. With the reveal of Rasputin in the cutscene, do you think that the season of the worthy is Guardians becoming worthy of Rasputin's help with a subplot of Aldrin becoming worthy of wielding the light? I don't know if they like to get into subplots in $10 seasons like this, so I don't know if you're going to see a lot of other characters coming into the in, it, to the table to contribute to the narrative being developed. I think it's going to be Osiris Rasputin and maybe Anna Bray. I can't see them getting this too muddy and messy 
including Aldrin. I see Aldrin sort of coming back into fruition either in the summer or in September. I see the summer being a, we are finally figuring out what's going on in the Dreaming City. That'll cause significant changes within the game. As Bungie said, it'll be like no other time in Destiny. So I kind of feel like Dreaming City and the Queen and Aldrin and all of that will come back to fruition in the summer or September. And this season's going to be more about Osiris and and Rasputin, Mars, and potentially Anna Bray would come into play here. I don't think the Stranger's going to come into play here, but if they draw more connections between the Brays and Osiris, I'll be all for that because Osiris calls the ghost Little Light, and the only other time we've ever heard somebody call the Little Light is Elsie Bray, the Stranger, who is in Destiny 1, that is the sister of Anna Bray. So I, It'd be cool to see more connections and lines connected between the Brays and Osiris to, fur- to further my theory that there is a connection between Osiris and Elsie Bray and then Elsie's presently doing something for him, time traveling and and using technology and discoveries that he's made and she's the only one that he lets do that sort of a thing because uh, time travel and messing with time is very dangerous and that's kind of, it'd be neat to see that connection there, but I don't see Aldrin getting pulled in, I don't see them doing anything with that, that feels like that would be like a summer or September thing again, we're just making predictions but generally speaking when they're doing seasons like this that are only $10, they don't pull in a ton of different characters. This time around, it was a little Osiris and a little bit of Saint, and that was basically it. Next question from Chromie Put. Do you think Anna Bray will play any sort of a role in next season? <laughs> I just answered that. Thank you for the question, Chromie. You're the best. Uh, JR says, If we are getting reprised DLCs as seasons, as potentially seen by this cutscene, should Black last year's what last year's annual pass okay i think you just put black army maybe you were thinking about it should last year's annual pass black armory um season of the drifter and menagerie be included in possible reprise forsaken season i am basically saying that i think that they're showing us the pattern i said this last year i said once content in areas and and in pieces of activities and things that get so old why not reprise them repurpose them and and bring them back uh into fruition and i said i can see them i'd have to find the video for the exact quote i said i can see them in the next annual pass because at the time we thought they were going to just do another annual pass i was like i could see them using Mercury and Mars and those old activities and those old loot pools, those old NPCs and repurposing and dressing them up, especially because, you know, Warmind and Osiris DLCs had static rolled weapons and it was like they could bring all those forward and random roll them Uh, because after Forsaken and Beyond, we were really considering that. We're like, well, what are they going to do with all those old weapons? What are they going to do with all those old pools? That was something that I started kind of predicting that they could do. I know everybody likes to go to, you know, to to my YouTube comments and they say, oh, this guy wants to take credit for everything. You're, You're injecting what I'm saying with intention i'm not trying to take credit what i'm saying is is when i looked at the game and when we looked at the game this is one of the reasons i try to make suggestions and predictions within the lanes that feel sensible and something that's probable to happen as opposed to being like we need a whole new system we need a whole new currency we need a whole new this or a whole new that and so obviously when i get it right i'm going to mention that because that gives more credence to the way that you and others and people on reddit and the forums can start to craft your suggestions in a way that are more in a lane where it's likely to happen and likely to actually even get sort of heard and processed by Bungie. Too often I think people get frustrated to make suggestions that are just never going to end up in the game. You're just sort of screaming into the void. Like, they're not going to be able to do a lot of the things that people outline. And so... 
obviously when I'm when I keep getting it right I'm gonna mention it that feels pretty good but at the same time I'm also trying to set this narrative of you know Bungie's Bungie's listening to our advice our feedback our response to the content and they're also looking at what can sensibly be done in limited amounts of time so when I make a prediction about oh they'll probably use those old planets and those old systems and those old activities that's not me dictating to them what they're going to do. I'm not like, oh, they better do this, and then they listen to me. It's just sort of like looking at the landscape of where things are likely to go. And given that reality, I could definitely see Black Armory and Drifter and Menagerie getting very similar treatment. Hey, it's been two years. Why not go back in there? I've been saying that a lot lately. If you get two years away from things like the Forges and Reckoning, it, it kind of makes sense to be like, well, put something in there. Dress them up a little bit. Let us match make into them. And let us go run it um, instead of leaving them dormant. Um, attitude adjuster. Do you think the seasonal content going forward will be two months or three months? I don't think they're going to change the format. The Skyline show. If Mars is to potentially be tied to next season, do you see random roles coming to EP weapons? I cannot see them not doing this. The most unlikely result is they don't do anything with EP guns. That would be the most unlikely result. Look at what they did with the forge weapons. They brought back some of the ones that were pretty hot, both in Vex Offensive and in the Obelisks. It'd be really weird to do that two seasons in a row and to look at arguably the smallest loot pool out of all of them and to leave it alone. They brought back a couple of the Forge weapons in Vex Offensive. They brought back even more this time around with the Jack Queen King and the rest. I can't see them being like, nah, just leave the EP weapons alone. There's only four of them. There's the three Escalation Protocol weapons, and then there's the the Icolos Hand Cannon. To me, that's the most unlikely result, is they just ignore those weapons. They're lauded, they're praised, they're cool, they're fun, and having those in the game with random rolls would be completely justifiable. Especially now that Icolos doesn't loom large as a broken, exotic legendary, you know, sitting in the secondary slot. It was like an exotic heavy just hanging out as a legendary secondary. So, I could definitely uh, uh, see them doing that. Um, so, what's going on with Spider? What's he doing today for uh, for currency exchange? Is it a good day or a bad day? Next question from Sepsicle says, I know you have talked about revising the planets, so how about Titan? The only reason I see people go there is for the Lumina or the Thorn Strike uh, for the quest. You need hive kills EP. Bad day, people are saying. Not good. Simulation seeds. Oh, bummer. Uh, here's the thing. I don't know what you can do with the vanilla planets without creating a whole new activity. I mean, there, there are forges on Nessus and there are forges on Earth that could get some retreatment in the future. And then there's also the EAZ, which I could see them repurposing that for an event or something. As far as Titan and IO, as, as far as those planets go, I honestly don't know what you would do with them without having to go put something there. Because presently, they're just sort of planets. And I think that's okay. I think we can have planets that are just kind of planets. The rhythm that I see happening here is they're combing back through deliverables and saying we delivered a planet with an activity and a loop pool. Let's repurpose it so that there's something going on so it's not just dormant. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do with, you know, Titan or IO or any other planets. I don't I don't know if that's like a a possibility to say, "Oh, let's 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 go to those planets as well." Again, you'd have to do something like the forges on Earth and Nessus. You'd have to go in and add an actual activity to suddenly give purpose. I'm not against that, but I can't think of an idea cuz there's presently nothing there. I wouldn't have been able to dream up the forges for Earth 
but what did we say after escalation protocol why not put an activity like that on the other planets so there's a reason to go to those planets and a reason to be in the public space um i I think fundamentally we've we've tweaked that suggestion we don't like the idea of of you know escalation protocol kind of messing with the public space it should be something that's match made instead but you get the intention the idea is take the planets and put interesting activities and things there and then obviously you already have npcs there you already have basically a vendor for every planet utilize them to have them be a part of it the way they did with anna bray hey it's kelvin do you think ep would be better suited for to sundial like reward system so like grabbing it at the end and sort of saying, oh, this is what I want. I, here's the problem with that, okay? This is going to touch on the weapon bounty video I did and the weapon boon idea that I've been really trumpeting. I think it's time to move away from the pure mechanical transaction of weapon bounties or with the way that they did the, the sundial. I, I want to move away from that a little bit. I'm not saying that, that it's bad. I think the spirit of it's good. And we can we can honor... I think we can honor that spirit. We can honor the spirit of that. Without just sort of being like, well, uh, just do another sundial thing. Grab the weapons at the end. I don't, I don't think that we want to just keep doing that. I do think that starts to get a little bit boring and a little bit mechanical. And for me, the idea that I end an activity and something drops from the boss is more exciting. Traditionally, that was one of the good parts about Escalation Protocol. The boss would die and you would see the thing pop out and you'd go run over it. Now, weapon boons as a concept aren't telling you go kill 25 of this or get 25 this type of kills and so you just go find a lost sector. The weapon boon would literally be go run the strike playlist, go play Crucible, or in this case, go run Escalation Protocol. And then the, the, the likelihood of the drop would go up the more that it doesn't drop, and then by the time you get to the end of the season, you could be leveling the NPC who sells the boon, and so you could be going to Anna Bray and leveling her throughout the season by doing her bounties, or you, maybe you're getting some type of reputation every time you run Escalation Protocol. So, you know, halfway through the season, the boons are more effective for you because you've been investing in that NPC, that vendor. Like how the time-loss weapon frames complete faster for those of you that have been working on your obelisk. A similar idea. That, to me, is more exciting. You could even get to the point where a weapon boon is causing two, three, you know, two and three drops at a time, so they just kind of pop out. Now, I don't know if this is technologically possible, but this, to me, is the ideal. You give me the targeted farm. I go to Anna Bray. What do you want? I want the Icolos hand cannon. Okay, I buy the boon. I pop the boon. It lasts for, you know, two to four hours or something, and in that two to four hour period, I'm getting a pretty healthy drop rate. As the season progresses, the drop rate gets better, you know, and again, maybe it gets to the point where, like, multiples are popping out i know in my brain that the result is ultimately the same but the experience is so much more enjoyable and therefore i think people would start to say oh thank goodness bungie didn't do a bunch of more bounties they didn't just do a bunch of more weapon bounties these weapon boons are significantly better experience it's not so mechanical it's not so living in a lost sector oriented that's my advice going forward is I love the spirit of the weapon frames and the weapon bounties. I've been trumpeting that since Ada showed up in the tower, but I do think we have too much of a good thing right now. And I do, I, I think more and more as season of dawn comes to a close, folks are going to agree with me on, on this. And they're going to say, I am sick of standing in the tower and getting 15 of a weapon 
you know, every couple of minutes and just checking the rolls. That's very boring. That's very mechanical. Sundial ain't that much different. You run at one time and grab five of the same weapon if you'd like. Very, very... It's, it's like you're buying fast food. Um, Excedrin with six months of subs. Thank you for that, Excedrin. Kane. This season, we got an update to sidearms, and we got a new exotic sidearm. Next season, we're getting an update to swords. Do you believe it's possible a new exotic sword is on the way? Maybe something Valkyrie-themed. I want to be careful. I love where your head's at. The Valkyrie theme of a sword would be really, really cool. Um... It, it, it's, it does sound cool. The way they phrased it, I don't know if they're going to do this just yet, okay? They did make updates to sidearms, but they didn't reinvent how sidearms function. They're sort of reinventing how swords function in the game, and they may want to let that land first, and there'll probably be a sword in the activity, because this year, you know, none of the activities, except for what Black Armory had a sword, right? We haven't had a sword since then, right? And so... They'll have you grinding for a legendary sword and they'll kind of get our feedback on it. And the way they wrote about it, one of the lines in the blog post about it to me feels like they're going to want to do an exotic sword further down the line. And the, and the reason for that would be they don't want to bite off more than they can chew. Okay, we made this foundational system level change to how swords function in the game and we also added an exotic. I would think make the change two swords, grind for a sword, and then you could add the exotic later. Yeah, there have been other swords. I was just making the point that the the seasonal activity in Dawn and in Vex Offensive, the more recent uh, seasonal activities, did not have a sword. So it would make sense to, oh, we just updated swords, and the new seasonal activity in Season of the Worthy has a sword in it. Like, we didn't get a saint sword, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I know there's been other swords. I, I wasn't trying to make, like, an all-encompassing statement that needed to be corrected. I was mainly saying it would make sense for them to do it in that order. Make the changes, have a sword in the seasonal activity, and then do an exotic later on down the line. Because they may have to make more tweaks of swords after the season. We may provide feedback, and they may have to make more adjustments. And that would then hurt, or harm, or disrupt whatever exotic they decided to put in the game. Uh, Kamikaze. Reckoning had a sword? I don't think so. Did it? Did Reckoning have a sword? Or was that just like a generic sword for Gambit Prime and that loot pool in general? Could you get a sword to actually drop at the end of Reckoning? I didn't know that. I think I have it. I just thought it came from Gambit Prime. Uh, Kamikaze. With the all new sword updates and things, what do you think about the possible return to fight a la cool, the Dark Blade, in a Whisper or Outbreak type mission? Um, obviously when we think of sword boss fights, you know, a la cool comes to mind. I don't know if there's a a, a lore impetus to do that, especially in this next season. Seems like it's going to be more focused on Rasputin and Mars and things with regard to that storyline, which doesn't necessarily, you know, have anything to do with a la cool. I can see us maybe revisiting a la cool if they do in fact bring back the Dreadnought. Um, but I don't know how they do that. It's been a really, really long time since we fought him. Why are we fighting him again? They kind of got away with that with Shadowkeep with the Nightmares. Void Pill. Thoughts on a potential Rasputin raid? I'm not going to get anybody's hopes up about a raid. I really think that's unlikely. People started getting my hopes up today about, I think a while ago, I threw out the idea of, somebody's like, what kind of a dungeon would you like to see? And I was like, I would love to see a Warmind Bunker dungeon that would kind of remind me of Wrath of the Machine. And somebody this morning was like, what if we get a dungeon next season and it's very Warmind, you know, bunker in its theme and it feels like Wrath. And I got really excited. And then I got even more excited. I was like, what if they bring back Wrath of the Machine? What if we have to go back to Wrath of the Machine? Because Rasputin's like 
and, and Osiris was like, there's something growing there and we have to go back and deal with it and it's a slightly different version of Wrath as a fight. And then I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to get your hopes up. That all sounds really, really good, but let's be reasonable. I don't see them doing that level of content delivery in a season. I really, really, really don't think we're going to get that. As much as I would absolutely love that, I'd be ecstatic. You would see me sort of giddy like a giddy like a little kid. I I don't, uh, I don't think that that's a likely outcome, even though it would be phenomenal, especially getting to play Wrath on a PC. Uh, King, Kingish Candor, do you think that the big O actually uh, has the power to defy the war mine? Oh, Osiris. I mean, there's a there's a back and forth there. There seems to be a history. He calls him old man. You know, Rasputin doesn't strike him down dead or do anything to him as soon as he comes in. It's it's. I know Rasputin doesn't say anything, but Rasputin gives this air of expectance. Like, yeah, I've been expecting you. I've been, I've been knowing this has been coming, and and Osiris kind of hints at that. Like, you know why I left the Infinite Forest. So, Setsu Bun. Seeing the question that Osiris throw to Rasputin, do you think Rasputin will end up siding with the darkness or utilizing Siva technology? I don't think Rasputin thinks in those terms. I don't think he th- thinks in terms of good, bad, evil evil you know evil or good or light or dark i don't think so i i i think he's going to be a very very different viewpoint on the situation tyler lynn hey lono do you think that this could mean the return of siva personally the rasputin voice doesn't sound right it sounded more like archon i i didn't consider that that rasputin typically speaks in russian and that did sound a little bit different but that could just be a stylization thing um i don't know I don't see a reason to bring back Siva, but Siva, you know, certainly could be an unresolved problem. Nova hands. Hey, Lono, a bit off topic, but what do you think about the relative ease of getting god rolls on this season's weapons with the Fractaline donations? You literally stand in the tower and farm the materials. I've offered commentary on this a couple of times, and ultimately what I've landed on is Bungie knows what they're doing. I know people laugh at that, and they want to mock it, and, you know, Bungie's listening. Haha, yeah, Bungie knows what they're doing. Um... They, I don't think they've stumbled their way to five years of, of a of a of a franchise with good good engagement numbers. I don't think they've they've I don't think they've failed up here, um, as as many people might say. Um, the population yesterday, uh, the the day before when we checked, the population was nine seventy three, and then it was nine fifty one. I mean, hovering between nine hundred thousand and a million players a day five years into the franchise. I, I know people like to mock that, like oh, they know what they're doing. I, it it kind of feels like they do. Um, as disappointed and frustrating as certain elements of the game have been and but I think they know what they're doing I don't think this was an accident I don't think they suddenly had like a meeting where Luke Smith runs comes in the room and like throws a dry erase marker and is like what did you guys do why Why are they getting all these god rolls in the tower who did it who why is this happening I don't think they're going to be surprised by this I think it's all part of the plan. I think it's all part of the plan. I think they're anticipating us being getting to a point where they're going to create our own sense of, I have way too much stuff, and then they're going to give you a reason to let some of it go. I really do think with loot and loot chase and loot you know, depth and, and loot abundance in, in the loot pool... They kind of have to let us get to that conclusion on our own. And after this season and two more, I think going into the Dreadnought season, there will be a natural push to prune your loot pool. That's been my prediction. 
I really don't think Bungie's going to be taken by surprise by what's happening right now. I don't. It, it would be incredibly unlikely. I remember when I read the blog, I was like, huh. I was like, that's a lot of guns. Why would they do that? And in my mind, they can be super generous if they know they're going to nuke the whole site from orbit in a couple of months and you're completely, you're motivated in a completely different way or chasing completely new types of weapons or, or completely new things are going are gonna to be happening. I completely agree. Loot bloat is real. I'm ready to move on from my current loot. Yeah. The more people that sort of feel that as an as a yeah, I, I'd be okay with nuking this whole loot pool. The more people that come to that conclusion, the less painful it would be, and the more accepted it would be. And again, if it's a self if it's self initiated, we did it with Armor 2.0. You self initiated that prune and got rid of all that stuff. If they can get you to do it on your own, I think it'll be fine. Captain Freud, is there a piece of lore in Destiny that you'd love to see explored in a full season? Time travel. I, I would love to see the time travel explored more. D- what's actually possible in the Destiny universe? What what kind of an impact can we have? We pulled Saint out of the past. That that seems like it's going to have some serious ramifications that we haven't thought about. Um, Osiris seems like he did something kind of selfish, and there, that that usually comes back to haunt the person that has the great power and use it they make one little exception and they do something that's that's selfish for selfish gain and it comes back to haunt them again also that could relate to Elsie Bray the stranger and time travel with her and that's what I think is going on Um, I think it would be cool to explore that the spicy rice do you think the decision made with the Drifter will affect the story that's developing? No, I do not think they're related. The Young Raccoon. Since the cutscene hints at a return to Mars, you think we'll get another unique seasonal activity or EP? I talked about that in the video. I don't see them getting away with just repurposing EP and then that's the seasonal activity. I kind of think it's going to need to be a both-and situation. Both a repurposing and a re-rolling of that, you know, random rolls for that loot pool and then also a new activity as well. Frozen Void Gaming. Do you think we will see more weapons and gear like Outbreak next season? I would love it. I love that aesthetic. McCheshire. Which would you personally prefer? An activity like an ex- uh, like this in this expansion, a pawn EP, or an entirely new activity? Here's one of the things that people might be overlooking, which I overlooked until this very moment. One of the benefits of doing something with EP and fixing it up and dressing it up and making it cooler is it likely wouldn't need to go away because it takes place in an existing space. Mechanics are there. Loot pool's already there. So if they dress up and do new things with EP, the benefit to the player would be this is not something that goes away. My preference is whatever keeps the community as happy as possible because that keeps the most amount of people playing and that's the best result for all of us that's good for Bungie, that's good for revenue, that's good for more content, that's good for the future. So whatever whatever is 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 best for the whole community and I think it would need to be a both and because I think the new activity is the big draw. I want to go have a new experience. I want to spend the $10 and go do something I haven't done before and I would be concerned if it was all trials and EP, it would be called season of the reskin. Unheard AZM do you think the similarities between Osiris's line from the cutscene and Aldrin's line from Forsaken is significant? I don't know which line you're referring to. You should have quoted it for me. I don't know what you're talking about. Clay Tongs. How do you feel about the a reprised EP next season in the lore? Rasputin was gathering and drawing the Hive armies out to study them. Possible Nocris return or set up a future antagonist. I never considered the EP completely changing 
in its form function in the bosses and everything because Rasputin and Osiris start working on something else. Oh, Aldrin says the line between light and dark is so very thin. Yeah, I don't know. In context, for him to say that, and then for Osiris to say a line has been drawn in this system, light on one side, dark on the other. I don't know if the context allows for those two lines to be in relation to each other. To me, BB Bay is saying it again. The line between light and dark is so very thin. Do you know which side you're on? It felt more like you think you've got this all figured out. Do you even know which side you're fighting for? Which I suppose is referring to the idea of there's two sides here, but the differences between them might be closer than we realize. What what each side is doing one side is not pure and perfect and the other side is not evil from its head to its toe seems to be what Aldrin was indicating and then Osiris seems to be indicating yeah there's two sides which side are you on Osiris would be more of a more of an idealist more of a black and white view of reality Aldrin at that point in time was deceived and his mind was corrupted so the lines were very blurry for him they were using his own sentimentality and motivations about his sister to get him to do things that I mean fundamentally I don't even know if you could say he was choosing it because of the way he was being um, tricked in his own mind I am Skolas with next season involving Rasputin do you think it's possible that returning with trials could be Siva yeah we've already had that question uh, yes, I'm better than you, says, who do you think Rasputin murdered? Osiris questioning of where Rasputin stands. Could simply he killed someone with an equally questionable allegiance? I don't think it's a specific murder. I think that Rasputin's destroyed systems and villages and towns and cities or whatever. And because he's done that, I think Osiris sees him as a murderer, a bully, you know, a thug. It, it's He doesn't see him as like a god. He's he's chopping him down to size. You know, how could you be a god if you've done all these these things? You seem like more like a thug. Bulldog. Do you know where Osiris and Rasputin history is from the past? I have actually no idea about it. No. Woods photo. In my opinion, Weapons 2.0 system will be successful with an Enemies 2.0 update. What can Bungie do with enemy types and enemy abilities to open up the opportunity for new and useful weapons and perks? Okay. So the way that they've introduced the champions I think could be the tip of the iceberg so imagine um, they expand the champion idea and the modifier idea you know the uh, the champion mods I'm sorry imagine they take that and they say okay uh, grenade launchers and rocket launchers and uh, maybe shotguns can all get um, detonating rounds or something and they detonate on impact and cause, you know, they don't cause a ton of extra damage, but it causes a detonating effect. Well, then Bungie can introduce armored champions that have literal pieces of armor covering their head, covering their crit spot, covering their bodies, so that until that stuff is blown off, they're really hard to kill. Now, that's not a new enemy type, that's not a new enemy, you know, behavior, but it would be like the champions are now. If you don't do this particular thing, an unstoppable champion in the in the Sundial can be really freaking annoying because they're they take such a significant more amount of time to kill if nobody stuns them. Same thing with like an armored champion. 
the dilemma here is not that it isn't like a cool idea because it is cool right oh yeah you gotta have you gotta have uh, there's heavily armored champions in here there's anti-barrier there's this there's that there's layers to the combat now it's cool but you go into a match made activity I that uh <laughs> that can be I think that can be problematic um I really do I think that could be problematic because right now you can already kind of run into this I think one of the dilemmas that Bungie's running into is they're trying to iterate on combat. They're trying to iterate on what you require a player to do. And they got a lot of uh, casuals in the mix. They got a lot of maybe inattentive players in the mix that just don't pay attention to that sort of stuff or aren't bothered to fiddle with it. Um, so I don't know. I love the idea of adding more depth to both the enemy pool, because if you add depth to the enemy pool, as you're saying, you're connecting them. You can make, you can add more depth into the weapon pool. I mean, they just did it by adding champions. They added champions, and then that empowered them to create more depth in the weapon pool with respect to anti-barrier, unstoppable, and overload. Just those champions alone have created something sort of new to think about and consider, and you might be running Ariana's Vow or something. And that's fun. And this feels like an aspirational content question where these changes would need to happen at an aspirational level, which would then create that spectrum of why go for the best of the best, the best role, why min-max, why get all those mods unlocked, why build yourself and spec yourself out. Well, if there's aspirational content with champions that are truly challenging and slowing you down if you're not playing correctly, now you've got your aspirational you know, piece of content that where it makes sense for you to go for all those things. Because presently, you don't have to, and a lot of that's because it's a match-made environment, and the other thing that's hanging over the, the season is that content added has to be taken out. This is another benefit for things like Escalation Protocol, getting a reskin. This is why a reskin would be so helpful or a repurposing would be so helpful. Because Bungie wouldn't have to take Escalation Protocol out, which means they could have difficulty spectrum in Escalation Protocol and make it really, really challenging and really, really hard and add modifiers and add champions as it gets harder and add better drop rates or add better rewards or add... Or add you know, ornamental vanity things that make you want to kind of go in there at least for a little while. That aspirational content could be created because it doesn't have to be taken out of the game. If they if they go back and they revisit EP and Blind Well and the Forges and Reckoning and and Menagerie, well, they could add difficulty spectrum that's truly challenging and truly aspirational, and then say. We're going to do that because the content's not going anywhere. So you can't gripe and complain that three months wasn't enough time to get ready. By and large, if you can't get ready in a month or two for really strong aspirational content that's going to be tough and have dope stuff in it, you're probably never going to be ready to, to begin with. But at the very least, nobody could make that criticism. Well, it's limited time content and you're making it really hard to go into the aspirational version of it. That's an advantage to reskinning and repurposing. Bungie could ultimately say... Well, now we have grounds to say there's truly aspirational versions of this content with tough environments and make it challenging and no matchmaking and and make it have good rewards. And then if people wanted to complain, it'd be like, it's no different than a raid. Beef up, get a team, run it or shut up would be the response. Like, come on, there's always going to, there needs to be aspirational content. Beef up level up, get a team and get in there or just shut up. Like I'm, I don't want to listen to somebody who's not willing to engage 
even try that's not a valid criticism now i listen to you criticize and say they can't do that in something that's only going to be around for three months and i would probably agree with you and i would take your side but you can't make that criticism of things like dungeons and raids those have been in the game since the beginning if you if you're gonna if you're gonna call foul it's like well you've been around for a long time that's that's how the game is built suck it up wy81 with 10 months of subs welcome back 29, uh, question 29, I'm sorry, question from Remorse. Uh, if we're going back to Mars and Bungie updates EP, which could be paid PVE content for next season, if any, a new activity, uh, the real sticky. I enjoy the motivation to change my loadout due to bounties. How do you think Bungie can replicate this feeling throughout the game? Not just playlist activities, but for other players just patrolling. I don't know if you need to do anything to patrol. I'm not super concerned about that. Like, getting somebody to change their loadout on patrol is not a primary concern. But I do think modifiers is the key. The thing that I said is, I don't want to run a bow, a scout, and a pulse for an entire season. That's kind of what we had to do this season. If you want to engage with Unstoppable or Anti-Barrier, that's kind of what you're given. I would say allow those to exist on all the primaries that are sensible, right? Anti-Barrier probably doesn't belong on a scout or a bow, but it belongs on like a pulse or an SMG or not a rifle. So you put them on all the sensible primaries, and then you use modifiers week to week to make me change my loadout. You know, I don't have to, but if this week I want to do a little bit of extra damage to the champions, sidearms and bows are doing extra damage. It's optional, it's incentivizing you to change your loadout, and they're doing it with modifiers instead of almost like forcing you to do it the way they have with the champion mods and the um, the way they did the champions uh, this season especially, I think was a little bit more painful for folks. OMAC. Do you think Osiris was referring to an event in the past or the future? No idea. Jinja 300. Osiris saying that he saw something. Uh, do you think this is foreshadowing to potentially Rasputin going rogue or being his own entity? Well, clearly, he's there to confront him to be like, okay, I've seen multiple realities and some of them aren't so, so good. <laughs> the Traveler's gone in some of them. Uh, whose side are you on? He's there to help I think sway Rasputin or at least get Rasputin to to see these are the realities I saw. If you choose this road it's going to lead to destruction. Um, my wife loves the Twilight movies and the best character in the entire franchise is Alice. Alice has the ability to see the future. She's also gorgeous. That helps. But in any case in the in the in one of the final scenes of the movie she shows the villain the future. And there's a terrible fight, and the villain ultimately dies. His team, quote-unquote, his team wins, but he dies. Because she shows him that future, he backs off, and he calls off, and the battle doesn't take place. They kind of trick you. You you, you think the battle's happening, and as the battle's coming to a conclusion, the lead bad guy dies. And then you snap out of it, and and he's seeing the potential future. Osiris could do something very similar, right? He could do something very similar. He could strut in there and be like, Hey, I saw a lot of different realities, and this is what happens if you choose the bad stuff, right? If you do the bad thing, you're going to go here, and Rasputin could be convinced, or he could see sort of the outcomes of those decisions and be like, okay, (laughs) I'll side with the Guardians on these handfuls of things, you know? They, they definitely, they definitely could, could take a similar sort of. I'll let you see the future because you're not going to like what happens if you choose X, Y, and Z. You're going to want to choose A, B, and C here. London, London Bates. 
when Osiris says, do you know what side you're on? It reminded me of Aldrin. Do you ask what side you're on? Yeah, somebody already brought that up. Do you think we'll eventually be able to choose what side? This I don't know. This I don't know. I, I know people have made mention that like, you know, Luke Smith is a fan of w- World of Warcraft. He's a fan of like decisions like that being important and they could see like Destiny 3 being an environment where you actually make a meaningful decision and you go on a path of darkness or light. Um, I'm not going to say that's a bad idea. I think it could be good. I don't know if they're going to have the time to build a game with that level of depth. It's not all that meaningful when like you choose dark or light and nothing really changes other than a couple of dialogue options when you go into town, you know, Ochi. Why do people think that Osiris is talking to Rasputin about the future? You know why I left the infinite forest could refer to something that Rasputin did in the past that Osiris saw in the forest timelines. Well, I don't think that's what the line means. I don't want to get down too deep here and try and parse everything out, but to me, the line of, you know why I left the infinite forest feels more like I had to get out of there because I got other things that I got to do now. There's some serious problems on the way. You know why I left the infinite forest. We got to deal with this, dude. Because in the order that you know why I left the infinite forest happens, he says, he says, he calls him, but I see a thug, a murderer, a betrayer. And then he says, you know why I left the infinite forest. What I saw, a line has been drawn in this system, light on one side, dark on the other. What side are you on? So it's almost like, look, man, you know why I left. There's a line in the system. We got dark and light going on here. Whose side are you on? Um, and it could be a little bit of both. It could be what the, your read of it and my read of it. He could be like, you know what I saw? You did some jacked up stuff, homie. Are you whose side are you on? You know, you're on the light or are you on the dark? It could be a variety it could be it could be a variety of uh he's both could be related. To me, the way I heard it was Osiris saw something that was alarming enough to get him out of the infinite forest, and his, what he saw was ultimately there's a line drawn in the system and we gotta figure out what side you're on, because there's a battle on the way. Josh, it may have been said before, but do you think next season could have a side picking mechanic similar to Season of the Drifter with the Vanguard and the Drifter, except it'll be Rasputin or Osiris? Maybe they could experiment very lightly with, you know, how does the community respond to that sort of decision making? Maybe make it a little bit more impactful than when we chose Osiris, uh, when we chose, you know, Drifter or Vanguard. Um, maybe they could do it as like an experiment. Like, how do we respond to that kind of content when it is more meaningful as a test for the future or something? I, I don't know. Havoc Tem. Match made nine man made in. Uh, I'm sorry. Match made nine man EP incoming. Probably not. Probably six man match made. You don't need nine people. Stooge, do you think Venus could make a return? I don't know about Venus. Dre- I mean, Dreadnought's like right there next to it, so those both could come back at the same time. Since the light of the Traveler hits both. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's Saturn. It's not Venus. Dreadnought's right next to Saturn. I actually don't know if they would want to bring back Venus. Um, you know, they talk about having limited space and things need to come back and leave. Do they want to bring back an entire planet? They seem to have a desire to bring back the Dreadnought, and it's attached to Saturn. I don't know if they're going to want to bring back Phobos or Saturn or any of that. But I can see them saying, the Dreadnought's back. The Dreadnought is sort of like a tangled shore size area there's a lot of complexity to the dreadnoughts i don't know we'll have to wait and see i don't see a lot of reason to bring back venus though 
Dragon Slayer. Do you believe the seasons are moving in the order of the cutscene after the Traveler Awakens? No, because we've already touched on this many, many times. Um, we went Mercury, Mars, Reef, and then instead of Dreadnought, we got the moon. I know, I know they said that that was the order of the DLC. Luke Smith indicated that. So we've consistently said Dreadnought's coming eventually. That's why I say that. I'm not just saying that because I dreamed that up. Like, he says in an interview at some point that the Light of the Traveler is the order of the DLC. Bulldog. Do you think we are finally going to find out it was Rasputin who crippled the Traveler because he saw the future using FWC device during the Golden Age? I don't know what you're referring to, so I can't answer your question. Uh, Swile. How likely do you see a raid coming? Very unlikely. I think a yearly raid is the pattern right now. Uh, Gab says, Why is your opinion for September always the Dreadnought? Why not another D1 location or a totally new one? As I just said a moment ago, the Light of the Traveler at the end of the game goes Mercury, Mars, Reef, Dreadnought. Luke Smith indicated that was the order of the DLC, and for whatever reason, Dreadnought got cut in the order. Now, if in Luke Smith's mind, and this is very strange, I don't know why you wouldn't put the moon, but if in Luke Smith's mind, the Dreadnought represented, like, Eris, and, like, the Dark Era, maybe we got that in Shadowkeep? I don't agree with that. Um... So I think the moon jumped in line because I think the Dreadnought, in Luke Smith's mind, the Dreadnought is the turning point. Um, I think the Dreadnought's the turning point. So the Dreadnought will bring all of the threads together with Savathun and with Eris and everything that's been going on and I think will ultimately lead to the culmination with the Pyramid Ships. Once they decided they were going to probably elongate D2's life cycle, that's when they needed to pull the moon out of their pocket. It was like... We need, to, we need the moon to come back instead. Um, did you predict Dreadnought so uh, last September? Yeah, I did. And I've... You guys aren't listening. I mean, I just said this all within the last five minutes. Like, I know I, it seems like maybe you're quick to celebrate me being wrong or something. I literally owned it, like, not five minutes ago, unless you just got here, that I was wrong about that, that they ultimately said that that was the order, and a lot of us thought, oh, the Dreadnought's coming, and then the moon cut in line. Um, I said that numerous times. I've never, I've never tried to like hide that or gloss over that. To me, it feels like Luke Smith gets in charge and they change the order for whatever reason. They change the order. It's like, no, Moon's going to come in. That's how we bring back Eris. And I ultimately think Eris has already even hinted at the fact that Savathun's not done. And the one strike Eris says, we'll know Savathun's next move when she actually makes it. Not really sure why you would have Eris commenting on Savathun. If Savathun's not ultimately going to make a big, big return, and that would, I believe, be in the Dreadnought. So for a long time, the Dreadnought's been hovering as a possibility out of Luke Smith's own mouth that, like, that's coming back. So to me, if that is in fact true, then there was a team of people somewhere working on that, and it's probably ready to go. They just pull the trigger on the moon instead. I thought that the reason we got the moon was because Activision not being there, so they forced to follow. Um, so they aren't forced to follow the pattern. Well, that could be it too, Gab. They were like, you know what? We really see the dreadnought as the springboard to the end of Destiny Two. We need more time. We need Destiny Two to last longer. You gotta kick. You gotta kick dreadnought down the road. We can't do that yet. I think you're right. I think the split from Activision is what caused them to change the schedule. I think Dreadnought is the mark of the end. Soon as we get Dreadnought, we're on a we're on a final we're on a final runway for D2. 
So, if we get Dreadnought this September, it sets that last sort of substantive year, and then 2021 leads into what would likely be a wind-down year, like a Rise of Iron Age of Triumph year. 2021 into 2022 will probably be a thin year, the way that it was like, yes, Taken King, and then a year later it was like, Rise of Iron's pretty good, and then basically nothing for an entire year. I would, I would imagine they would follow a similar line of thinking that this year if we get if we get uh, the dreadnought we get one last big full hurrah of a year and then 2021 September is sort of a rise of iron sort of we got to kick the can down the road for 12 more months and then smaller maybe less substantive seasons and more of an age of triumph feel where we start going back into old activities old raids or old whatever and it's more of a coast like the game has to kind of coast down and land and say we couldn't spend the last year dedicating tons of time and resources into a game that ultimately is coming to an end all of this is just pure speculation it is but to me dreadnought and 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 savathun and and the pyramid ships are all somehow connected and will lead to the culmination of the game i could even see savathun and the dreadnought landing this september and kicking off the last really substantive year of Destiny. And then September of 2021 is our Rise of Iron. It's a smaller DLC. It's not quite as substantive. And that's when the Triangle ships finally get here. And then that's a slow build-up to a, okay, Destiny 2 is now over. Destiny 3 can begin. Enlow Eagle. Do you think we could possibly see more EP-style weapons, Pulse Auto ETC? Um, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with Rasputin coming out and saying, I just gave you a taste. We're going to help those weapons evolve. We're going to help the, you know, the Ikelos shotgun and the SMG and the sniper and the hand cannon evolve and become better. He could even kind of make them look different. They'd be the same basic weapons, but they'd look a little bit different, give them random rolls. And they could say, you know, hey, um, we, we also have new weapons for you. Bearded Infamy with two months. Thank you. Chillax says, do you think it is possible to meet the goal of the 9.7 billion by donating all Fractaline now? I have no way to answer that. I don't know what people have. Irish Plague. Lodo, do you think it's interesting they keep throwing the choice of light and dark at us? I wouldn't say they keep throwing it at us. We had the thing with Drifter Vanguard that was pretty inconsequential, so I, I think this might be a little bit of an overstatement. The fact that the, the, the that theme continues to emerge... Ah, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, there, there's, a, there's a possibility that D3 is a choose the light or the dark game I don't know again I think that's very ambitious JC do you believe these three these year three seasons are serving as a retread and a redemption for year one themes missed an opportunity story wise this is this is another way of saying it but I kind of said this a little bit earlier it was like I'm glad to go back Osiris is cool and we didn't get a whole lot with him Rasputin is cool and it was like he had a cool line at the end of war at the end of war mine you know Rasputin's cool so I don't know if it's necessarily like a we got to redeem these themes and missed opportunities but kind of a I mean we didn't do much with those those were kind of here and gone and then they were all unrelated they're trying to bring the story all together it's almost like Bungie put a bunch of different greeting cards on the table and they're all for different holidays and now they're kind of going through and weaving a thread through all the greeting cards so then they're going to pick them up and be like see 
now they're all connected you know new bungie tweet they raised the amount by 700 they did another tweet to raise the total again are you sure i don't know why they would do that are they playing with us that seems strange that they would suddenly adjust the total like that after just uh oh yeah they did they said due to player feedback uh final goal stage stage has been set to 9.7 billion and they did they added another seven at the end for the 700 i don't know why they wouldn't just do sevens all the way down um dylan responded and said we're listening um (laughs) we're listening i'm going to respond with a yelling is there a good yelling yelling thank you is there a yelling thank you gif uh (laughs) yelling thank you i don't know if there's a good one here this one's pretty good just some guy in a crowd yelling thank you um i guess they just did it to be silly it's they're memeing a little bit ghost face fell asleep yesterday so i apologize this was asked and answered if we can farm 980s in under 10 minutes for mats what honestly can be done to match the turnover ratio for pvp it's not up to me to figure that out that's up to bungie i merely highlighted the need for that side of the game to be given a currency earn rate it's not my job to figure out what the earn rate should be and how to implement it that's on bungie to measure match uh match completion time uh average players completing nightfalls is probably not as fast as you just outlined so they would have to look at sort of you know all of the all of the the entire player base come up with an average and then implement a system that's that's their job, not mine. I merely highlighted a pain point in the structure of the system right now. Thankless work. Hey, Lono, if I remember correctly, EP was quite difficult and very easy to fail when it first came out, even with a larger group. Would you be okay with a seasonal activity having that type of difficulty? No. The reason that EP was so hard when it first came out was because streamers asked for it to be made more difficult, and then when they were beating it as a three-man team, because Bungie said a really, really strong and intelligent, well-built three-man team could beat it, uh, the team that did that cheesed it from the bridge. So, um, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good call. And, And we just touched on this a little bit ago. If you want to add difficulty spectrum, go for it. If, if, this is a big, huge if, if it's going to stick around like I criticize Legend Sundial but I also conceded the point that Bungie can't be like here's Legend or Master Sundial it's brutal it's hard it's non-match made and there's really dope gear in there you're going to really frustrate the people who spent $10 hoping for you know more hobbyist destiny and then you siphon off a chunk of it and they're like i'm never going to get there or i'm going to get there in the last couple of the week of of weeks of the season and i'm not going to have time to really get the drops that i want so that's why i say it's a big fat if if they want to add aspirational levels to escalation protocol i would think that that's awesome because escalation protocol could arguably stick around there's another danger there though if escalation protocol is the seasonal activity bungie's gambling on making us pay for a reskin of an activity we already own. I'm okay with that, but I'm also kind of like, that's probably not the best approach here. I would make Escalation Protocol the free side. They did that with the obelisks, right? All the obelisks were there. Anybody could interact with the obelisks. Anybody could level them up. Anybody could get the weapon frames of the, of the, there was like the standard frames you could get, the non-saint weapons. 
you could do that. That was a free thing. There's also a free track on the season pass. You pay no dollars and you get all this stuff on the top track, which obviously below level 30, it's a lot full. It's a lot more full. It's a lot more top heavy. So to me, it makes sense to do something for free. I've been saying this for a long time. Like a way to bolster the seasonal content would be to repurpose escalation protocol, met let us match make from orbit, random roll the weapons streamline the armor grind and make it free do that as a free update that does a lot of things number one it makes the seasonal content feel like there's more going on number two it makes the content relevant to people who may be new light and have no idea what escalation protocol is number three it cleans up the public space because having escalation protocol triggered in the public space is arguably kind of dumb and number four it gives people that reason to tune in turn on and play the game and the more they're playing and the more they're earning on this top free track the more likely they are to throw the ten dollars down get the bottom track cool stuff and then the other new activity a both and situation seems to me like the best solution you got way more people turning on destiny and playing and all those free free players that are like i don't know if i'm going to spend the money yet are constantly sort of coming to this screen here oh let me grab level 10 all these boots sweet well if i own the dlc that's only ten dollars i'd have an emote a shader resources this buff an emblem this resource that resource that box right there that looks pretty you know what i'm saying like constantly getting people to play the game you know and seeing that progress as like a temptation to like, oh, I'm going to spend the, spend the money is a good thing. And then the other reason, I, I said this just moments ago, the other reason it's so smart to reskin activities, like eventually I could see them doing it, as I said, with the forges, with reckoning, with the menagerie. They'd be completely justified in saying there's really hard levels here. There's there's a there's a 980. There's a there's a contest modifier version. So your stupid 1000 power level from the dumb artifact doesn't make the content easy and there's really cool loot in there. And no one could cry foul and say, "Well, that's not fair." What do you mean? "Oh, I'm not strong enough to get there." Well, then get strong enough to get there. It's not going away. It's not there's no expiration date on this content, just like a raid. The dilemma they're facing right now is if seasonal content does that, it's going away and you frustrate players and that hurts your sales, that hurts your player base numbers, and the, and the sweater unravels from there. Every season you have less people buying and logging back in. Think about the way that Bungie has sandwiched this content. It's super front heavy. The first month in Season of of Dawn was very front heavy. It's front heavy on the season pass, the obelisks, the rewards, the excitement. Boom, it's front heavy. Why do they do that? It's the highest saturation of players, usually, that first month. That creates a fond memory. What are they doing as they end the season? They're going crazy. Come do the fractal line. Get your frames. Get tons of guns. Do this, do that. Super generous. Oh my gosh, so much loot. It's like a sandwich. Real front heavy and real heavy on the back end. Why? Because those are the times you're really convincing people to spend the $10. You start the season strong. That creates a fond memory. So the next season you're like, yeah, you know what? That was pretty fun. I played pretty strong for the first month. I kind of winded down as the season continued, but that was pretty good. I got a lot of neat stuff. I'll spend another 10. And then there's also the people that are jumping back in for the Empyrean Restoration. They're like, this is awesome. I'm getting buried with guns. I, you know, I'm, it, this is a very generous time in, in Destiny. Because you're, you're, Again, ultimately that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to convince people to keep playing and keep buying and that's where aspirational content I think is struggling 
it, it's hard to get it into the sandwich. It's like, this is really tough and it's going to take a while and not a lot of people are going to be able to do it. And if we make it really tough and really challenging, we got to, we got to put loot in there to actually motivate people to even want to do it. And then it's going to expire in three months. MW2 Killer. With the season coming to a close, do you think Bungie's next reveal stream will be like last season of Dawn's where they talk where they talk about the season? Or will they talk about the season? Sorry. Yeah, the season of Dawn Twitch stream was very odd. I would imagine they would they would land more in the middle. I'm gonna give you two comparisons. There was the stream where the famous the famous girl with her feet on the table with her socks on stream people misunderstood that she was doing a bit and she was in her relaxed position she wanted to play relaxed for the day and so they had her in her PJs with her with her feet up and nobody understood that they were doing a bit and everybody just focused on her socks in any case that particular stream they got very detailed about armor 2.0 and how it would work and the builds that you could come up with it was very data heavy it was very menu ui number coming over mods heavy and there were people that were like this is incredibly boring we want to see gameplay but i feel like bungie thought no it needs to be pretty data intensive it needs to be sort of informational compare that to the season of dawn stream which was not even an entire hour they spent at least 15 minutes talking about concept art and people sort of were confused like why didn't you talk about the new mods the new charge with light why didn't you talk about any of the new things new activity and subsequently Bungie replied kind of to the confused community and they said we want you to discover next season I think they'll land kind of in the middle this time for a couple of reasons they'll probably want to show off how swords work that'll be exciting to see that change have commentary on why they said what they said and how we're excited to see what you guys come up with to maximize damage or whatever so it'll probably be more of an in-between where they they are going to want to show some things off and have more information but they're still going to keep things probably at a subdued level they don't want to overhype a $10 season you also have to consider that if Trials is coming back and they're making significant sandbox changes to Crucible, that's usually a really good time to have commentary from devs where it's not a blog, where we can really hear and see what it is they're thinking and what their thought process behind certain things are. There's some pretty significant things happening next season that I don't know if you're going to be able to do this vague weird confused 45 minute stream where you spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about concept art i don't think they're going to be able to get away with that again i think people would be like are wait are you kidding me like what what's happening like how's trials going to work how are the cards going to work how are the boons going to work what sandbox changes are you making i would imagine it would be a little bit more informational than the than the season of dawn one shift into gear do you think the season of opulence lends itself to your retooling of content theory in using many assets from D2's Vanilla's Endgame? Season of opulence? 
I mean, I don't know what you mean here. I mean, I could see them when you get two years away from opulence and menagerie reusing it, but I, I don't... I'm gonna I'm gonna just go to the next question. I don't quite understand what you're hinting at. Mojo. The last couple of seasons have been revitalizing other lo- older locations. Do you think seasonal content could see a revisit of D1 locals and themes? I would love a Siva themed season. Maybe, but unlikely to go back to the, a lot of the old locations because they don't want to take all the time to build, you know, rebuild sections of the Cosmodrome, um, and then, um, you know just to get rid of it again, right? They're running out of room. They've said that. Are alerts off? Pooted, you have been subbed for a long time. I never have alerts on in this scene, but I'll thank you for it. Uh, a couple people hit. Spazazzle with two months. Thank you. And Pooted with 28 months. Thank you, dude. You know, I appreciate you. Um, that's pretty common. Yeah. I don't have alerts on in Q&A because it's like bling and it's kind of obnoxious in the ears of the audio listeners that listen to this on like Spotify or something. The next question comes from Jedi. Does this really rule out Prison of Elders? Vance, the Trials NPC at the Reef, always said he had a path. What if spying on the Reef because of Osiris predicted the breakout and killed... This is super elaborate and I highly doubt it. I don't think we're getting Prison. Um, I love the idea of Prison coming back, but this is really elaborate and this is very stre- This is stretched very thin. Wool, uh, Wolf School Noob. Do we really think that swords are necessary focus right now? For me, the update to swords is kind of out of left field. It feels like a fix nobody asked for. This couldn't be more wrong. Swords have been criticized and, you know, asked for an update for a long time. Just because you didn't ask for it doesn't mean it's out of left field. I have been talking about swords, I think, since Forsaken. uh, And how they should be either a special weapon or something they don't seem worth using so there have been plenty of people that have talked about swords not really feeling like they did in d1 problem is there was only three legendary swords in d1 if i can remember and when nobody used them everybody used the exotics i mean we use the legendaries but primarily if people were using swords in d1 they use the exotics and so creating an actual class of weapon around swords was a cool idea but they people have been complaining about swords for a while about them sort of not feeling that great uh, Darren says, people have literally been complaining about swords for three years and wanting them to be updated. Yeah, I don't think this is out of left field or a waste of resources at all. Um, do you think helping feedback on weapons and armor for D2 would help D3 if they decide to release it? Well, of course. I mean, I I do feel like a lot of what they're pri- primarily doing right now is collecting information and testing systems for the next game. Commander Tyke, This might be restricting but what if they made it so that every armor from pvp can only be used in crucible and same for pve they would definitely need new sources for high stats but at least pve players wouldn't feel bad for not grinding ib i don't understand what you're saying here though you're saying every armor from pvp can only be used in crucible i i I don't this i i don't want to be I've been doing this a lot lately. I I try to be nice about this, but this is a terrible idea. There is no impetus right now to do this. If I like playing both sides of the game and I think the armor from Iron Banner looks dope, telling me that I can't wear it in PvE, that's a terrible idea. And I have a bunch of great armor right now and you're telling me that I wouldn't be able to wear it in Crucible? Why would you do that? Where am I? How am I going to even get armor to start in Crucible? What, go buy it? Like, go buy a set? There's literally no impetus for right now for this right now, Tyke. I, I see no reason to to suddenly um, detonate five years of an idea that, like, you get stuff and can use it anywhere. This, this would be... I think this would be re- rejected very, very strongly. 
I understand your intention. I think your intentions are good. I think your your idea would ultimately frustrate players more than assist or help a lot of the issues that come from not having a sandbox split. BB Bay. At the end of the cutscene, Rasputin is heard possibly saying, are you threatening me as the doors close? Rasputin has never, well, there's no reason that he's possibly saying that. He could say, I want chicken and, you know, chicken tenders for lunch. Uh, Rasputin has only ever spoken in Russian before. If, uh, if that's the case, why? Is the cutscene for Osiris's perspective? Uh, and he just understands Russian. I mean, I I need to go back and watch the other Warmind, the, the, the Warmind cutscene at the end, because when he speaks to us in the one strike in D1, he just speaks in Russian, like it's like through like a speaker system. And then I'm fairly certain when we go and talk to him at the end of Warmind, he does the same thing. He's just talking in an, an audible Russian tone. You're also... You're also assuming that he's not speaking a language that Osiris understands. Because Osiris is a unique character in in Destiny. He split himself into a million versions of himself. He's seen a million different I- iterations of time. He's like Doctor Strange. So it could be a language that Osiris understands and we're just sort of being kept in the dark for the time being. He spoke Russian and Anna Bray translated it. Yeah, and the ghost translated it in D1. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I think I think we're gonna we're, we don't want to overbake this cake. There's no reason to really come over his m- m- a handful of seconds of nothing. The point of that scene is primarily that Osiris is strutting in there confidently and basically being like all right, big boy, what side are you on? I mean, what if what if Rasputin's like, well, I'm not on your side. I mean, Osiris has got some freaking stones to walk in there like that. So I I would say it's more about that than, but what did Rasputin say? Like, I don't think the scene is meant to convey that. Anytime you're telling a story, you know, the intent of the author has to be considered. And as I see it, the authorial intent of this scene is is less about a couple seconds of gibberish at the end from Rasputin. It's more about what Osiris is saying and how he's ultimately throwing down a gauntlet of decision to be like, okay, Rasputin, what, what's what's the deal here? And, what, and, and what's he doing? He's threatening Rasputin with a scout rifle? Like, something... I don't know. Something else is going on there. It, it, it doesn't seem like we're supposed to be like combing over gibberish. Uh, just watched it briefly. He's speaking non-English, no subtitles. Anna Bray is translating and has subtitles. So there's no way we know what Rasputin was saying or starting to say. So Eugene, in the, in the end of Warmind, he doesn't speak Russian. He's just speaking a weird language and Anna Bray is translating it. That would again connect the Brays with Osiris because if Anna Bray understands the language, Osiris could understand the language as well. And we don't know what he said to him. Could have been something as simple as like, I've been expecting you or we have a lot to talk about. I don't know. Um, He could say, I don't have time to explain and then that's all that happens. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's not English. Okay. Russian's pretty easy to pick out. I don't think it's Russian. We'll have to watch it when we're done with Q&A. Dark Seraphim. Do you think that 
H. John Benjamin credit for a character could be us meeting the real Rasputin. The name might be Rasputin's real name, kind of like Callus using robots. I have no idea, dude. Frozen Void Gaming. Do you think Rasputin is the thing that killed us referring to Saint 14 dialogue at our funeral? I haven't even considered this. I don't know if the dialogue from Saint would even remotely point to this. It's not beyond the scope of reason that there's a reality where Rasputin frickin' kills us. Um, I don't know. Unalloy. Have you heard the lore about Sundial and how the, it, how it whispers? Donating our light and filling it with power could lead to something horrible. We are taking a risk. I, I theorized that the Sundial would be destroyed, because obviously the seasonal activity has to go away, but I theorized that the Sundial is going to need destroyed and maybe that's why Osiris is going and talking to Rasputin because he knows he's strong enough to destroy it with like an orbital attack because we may come to the conclusion that's being hinted at here it's whispering people are thinking it might be made out of the bones of an Ahamkara and we're fueling it with power and then it becomes like as we said right Osiris did something very selfish. He built this thing and he used it to save Saint, and that's going to have ramifications. And now we're filling it with power, and then they could, and then Osiris could be like, um, "What side are you on?" Okay, okay, good. You're on the good side. Great. Can you blow this thing up? Because I kind of created a bit of a problem for myself. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Um, that could be one of the reasons he's kind of in there to say, "Okay, whose side are you on?" Because we got a real doozy of a problem brewing with the sundial. It could be unrelated, but ultimately they have to get rid of the sundial. Spectre. Do you think Rasputin's a necessary force, like a chaotic good for the solar system? We were having a debate about this earlier. I think Rasputin is too powerful for us to ever destroy him. He's ev- He could be anywhere and everywhere. He could be in... He could have built for himself through technology, right? Because he's a, he's a, he's, he is technology. There could be a thousand Warmind backup bunkers all over strewn throughout the galaxy and you'd never be able to get rid of them in one fell swoop. So I believe he needs us to exist and we need him to exist. Like we can't get rid of him even if we could, would we want to? We probably need him around and likely he needs us around because the threat to the universe itself would ultimately mean the cessation of his existence. Like if the if the if the ancient foe of the traveler is as strong and as ominous as they seem, they could potentially be a threat to his existence as well. So he needs our help in a way, right? It's a symbiosis. It's like we both benefit from the other's existence. I don't know. I I've always thought and theorized that the only thing strong enough to destroy the the fleet of triangle ships is the dreadnought. We would repower the dreadnought weapon and use it and it would cause a lot of problems, but it would ultimately defeat the triangle ships. To me, the only thing you could defeat Rasputin with would be Siva, and that is probably far more risky and dangerous than just letting him alone because if Siva infects him and fundamentally gets the ability to control what he has the power to do, you got a serious problem on your hands. Now you don't have some angry, grumpy old Russian war mind. You now have a, a literal disease that wants to destroy and consume all things with the power of the one and only war mind. I don't think we would want to do that. BB Bay. Is Rasputin interface with the infinite forest? How did he see what Osiris saw? That's probably the more interesting thing. 
that to me might go hand in hand with what uh, somebody said earlier I forget who asked the question was he referring to the past when he says you know what I saw so either Rasputin can see and predict the future or can see into the infinite forest or Osiris is being like you know what I saw in there you know what you did kind of a thing it could be it could be that could be how the line is supposed to be uh, taken Regalian Knight do you think this will bring the Exo Stranger out from the shadows man I think they're going to keep her tucked away nice and tight and then pull her out for D3 I really do think she's going to play if in fact there's a significant change and new springboard in D3 I think that's when you pull her out I'm dead serious I think there's a storyline potential there where she she saves Cade she shows up and says now I have time to explain and then they tie everything back to D1 when she says cut the engines don't let anybody hear you and wait for my signal or whatever she says in that one D1 scene I think she's talking to us in the future I think they're going to bring that full circle I, that would be phenomenal <laughs> uh, Eric R68 do you think that they will incorporate the Rasputin areas on IO and Earth as well as Mars I don't know that could be pretty cool because there is definitely some stuff on, on IO and, and Earth related to him Tom now that we know the sundial can go back into the past to rescue characters like Saint 14 do you think we will bring others back like Cade for a potential last stand against the darkness as far as we know the sundial can only interact with a mercury mercury timeline so I don't think so if Cade comes back it won't be for a long time and again it would be something with time travel not related to the sundial because the sundial is limited to mercury the spy who swags will Mars be the Mars from D1 no I don't think so I don't know there's nothing in man you gotta jog my memory here D1 Mars was all about the cabal and their bases and their fortresses I don't think they're they could be related but I don't know if Bungie's going to want to do that. That's a lot of space. And to be quite honest, D1 Mars was, it wasn't that exciting. It was pretty boring. Um, eh. I, I would say, you know how we knew we were going back to Mercury was season of dawn, but we didn't really go back to Mercury. We did, but we didn't. We go to Mercury, we go up a ramp, and we're like, hey, what's up? And then we go into the sundial. Like, that's kind of it. I, I, we don't necessarily need to bring back D1 Mars. Funk the Buddha. Do you prefer the storytelling as conducted in the new seasonal format as compared to the campaigns of the older DLCs? I'll be honest, I'm more interested now. Like, Ada's showing up and the Drifter's showing up. Um, now, wait, you're saying older DLCs. If I compare Osiris and Warmind to this format, I like this format more. It's not really fair to, to reference like Forsaken and Taken King because those are like ex- yearly expansions. So equivalence what do you think osiris meant when he called rasputin a murderer he's a war mind he's probably destroyed entire planets and civilizations uh flying mangoes the cutscene makes it looks like we may not want to work with rasputin how would ep be the focus thematically if we shouldn't be helping him i think osiris is going to come back out and be like you know i had a long chat with the old man and then you're like okay what are we going to be doing and 
I could see Osiris hanging out in there. Like, <laughs> that's a long drive to get back there to him, so maybe not. But, like, I could definitely see him coming out and being like, all right, we're going to work with him. Here's the plan. Dredgen Grim. Do you think we need a new raid next season or just old raids with random rolls? We, I don't really think we need... I don't think we really need any raid anytime soon. I think once a year is fine. I know people disagree with me on that, but I think we get better raids when we wait a year. Gritter. Looking at the pattern Bungie is showing us with delivering content, is it likely that D2 may see a return of SIVA in the fall of 2021 with a D2 version of Wrath of the Machine better than Scourge of the Past? You're going a little bit further than I would be willing to go with it. I, I, love, the, I love where your head's at. That'd be a blast. Because I said that final year would be like a Rise of Iron, sort of like a, a coasting down of D2. That doesn't necessarily mean we would literally get SIVA, Rise of Iron, and Wrath. That's not what I meant. Um conceivably they could try to do that to tie it all together and then it might be easier because those are existing assets but as far as we know recreating assets from D1 and D2 is pretty tough Gab says should the activity reflect the Osiris versus Rasputin theme we don't know if that theme is going to continue that that cutscene could literally be you know doing its job. We're talking about it, right? I mean, like its job is literally to create intrigue and interest. And then once the season starts, we're not like fighting against Rasputin. Um, I don't really know how you would fight against a war mind, but there maybe. I mean, maybe we if we're trying to shut down something that Rasputin is doing, because think about it, if the sundial is going to go away the way the Vex Offensive went away, whatever we're doing next season would likely come to an end. So there could be, I'm going to say could, I don't know, there could be a storyline where we we put a stop to something that, that, that Rasputin is doing, and it could, the same way that Sundial was very much inspired by Menagerie, there could be a very Escalation Protocol inspired thing that we're doing next season, and at the end, we we overpower whatever this thing is that Rasputin has built. It would be like shutting down Escalation Protocol permanently, but it would be different because Escalation Protocol is attached to Warmind and they're not going to get rid of that but they could add something that's clearly inspired by Escalation Protocol. Like, we find some facility where Osiris is doing other... I'm sorry, uh, Rasputin's doing all these other tests, and it feels very Escalation Protocol, and we spend the entire season trying to shut the thing down. Um, And in the process, get cool, dope, warmind-looking loot and stuff, and maybe they throw in the shotgun and the other things in there, the Icolos and all that. They could do something like that. Anti-Solar Flare, given the string of the new races getting champions, Vex and Hive in Season of the Undying, and Cabal in Dawn, what race could cause the most trouble for Rasputin to require our assistance? Uh, maybe Fallen? Maybe Siva? I don't know. Um, that could be what's happening. Maybe we're helping him with something. Sweatpants, do you think it's possible that Rasputin is being corrupted? Do you think parallels can be drawn to the real Rasputin to potentially nod at what is to come? I don't know. It's just a cutscene. I can't go that far down the line. I mean, if he's being corrupted, we got bigger problems in the Triangle ships because Rasputin's very strong and he could be anywhere and everywhere. Uh, Stare in the sun. 
What does this talk about the Dreadnought? Could you expand on that? I already answered that question. Niche King, do you think the PvE-focused enemy will be Fallen next season? I don't believe Rasputin will be an enemy to defeat because Anna Bray said he struggled to defeat Soul and we beat him in a strike. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't know if that was even the full power of Soul. We don't even really know if that was exactly how we're supposed to interpret that. I mean, the way, the ease of fighting something in a strike, I wouldn't call that, like, canon. Um... I don't know. I just had this question. I, I mean, maybe Fallen, maybe Siva. I, I don't want to overthink like the race order because sometimes they do things out of order. If there is an order, Vorpal. Why wasn't Zavala behind the door to greet Osiris? I don't understand why you're asking that question. Favorite hands. Kind of off topic, but what do you think about the idea of having weapon exotic that has a perk building like back in D1? Depending on the skipping, see money. Do you have any idea on how we can make exotics more useful in terms of being able to use them in high-end content that requires mods? I would say open up champion mods on all the primaries and then consider doing intrinsic champion effects on some of the other guns. You know, anti-barrier on cold heart and things of that nature would be a good start. Um, and then they could potentially have champions be a little bit harder, maybe have them in more content um, to add to the aspirational feel. Anthrax. Are we going to kill Rasputin if he is on the dark side? I have no idea. Pinoy. Do you think we will ever see the prestige modes of raids or even dungeons? I have been calling for contest modifier in raids. It'd be pretty cool to say, hey, here is, you know, a, a challenging version of the raid. Oh, and you get non-powerful drops. You can farm for stats on armor and the god roll gun that you want. But it's contest modifier, so it's at least always sort of challenging with that ever-present delta. Uh, Mikkel Dongan says, do you think upgrading weapons by playing with them would be good? I've argued for investment into a god roll, something they could do in the future. You get the god roll that you want, and then the more you use it, the perks get better. So your perks would be at tier one when you get them, so you can feel the effect of, you know, Rampage and Outlaw working together. I'm just going to use that as an example. We would want more interesting perks than that, but you'd, you'd feel the effect of Rampage and Outlaw working together, reloading quickly and maintaining Rampage, right? But they'd all be Tier 1. The more you use the weapon, the, you know, the perks upgrade to Tier 2, then Tier 3. Once they hit Tier 3, they get that nice little satisfying yellow circle around them, and maybe once you do that, it unlocks the ability to masterwork it. Then once you masterwork it, maybe it unlocks an extra mod slot. Now your gun is basically quote-unquote done. So there would be almost an investment not a crafting but an investing in the gun that you get you finally get a god roll and then you invest in it i could also see letting us change the masterwork for a cost but outside of that i, I don't want too much customization on weapons chromie put do you think there would be a value in repurposing the sleeper nodes on mars sure um it's a reason to go to mars and do stuff kind of how they did with the obelisks uh ghost thief do you think with the route the seasons are going. Could season 11 potentially be related to the Dreaming City? Yes. I may, I've made that prediction a couple times today. You've got a good instinct um, to think that. I think that's a, that's a very, very likely outcome. And they said that the summer would be like no other time in Destiny. That would be a pretty significant culmination of a story. Um, pretty big one here on the next question. We got Shadows of Yore with 12 months. That's a whole year, Shadows. Thank you. And 15 months from Dark Dragon. Uh, Jay Laughlin, considering the season of Dawn and season of the Worthy seem to be retreads of old year one DLC in a way to tie up plot points, 
for some kind of big event, how many seasons of content would Bungie be able to squeeze out of the old story points? Forsaken, Callus, Rise of Iron. Oh, you're going back to D1. Before they can comfortably move the game to a new big event. I feel like they're on borrowed time and may not be able to deliver this suspected plan of story content. There's not a real way for me to answer this other than to say it's something that they want to do. Luke Smith has said that this is the goal they want is an ever-evolving story that is all tied together and significant things are happening and we're having an impact on the world and we have to just kind of take that as, okay, cool, what do you got? I To be like, do you think it's going to fail? People ask me this all the time. Do you think next season is going to flop? Do you think they're going to be able to do this? Do you think they're going to pull this off? No, it's going to burn. It's going to be terrible. We're, we're all going to be pulling our hair out in misery. I mean, I don't know how to answer questions like this sometimes. It's like, I don't know. It'll probably be pretty good. Uh, Swerving with three months. Thank you. That's a blue badge. Gritter. A little off topic. What are your thoughts on a Scorn style raid? Could be the final raid of D2. Maybe even a Siva infected Scorn. Don't see a reason for Siva to be messing with the Scorn. That'd be kind of out of left field, but there's, there's a possibility. Uh, a Scorn raid maybe if we do something in the summer that goes to the Dreaming City and involves a Tangled Shore that could lead to something with a Scorn and a Scorn raid but I really feel like we're going to be dealing with the Dreadnought and Savathun and the Taken in September that's kind of been my hunch um, for a while that if I'm wrong on the timing right I still think that's eventually going to happen that we're going to end up back on the Dreadnought Hollywood Zero We've seen Bungie increase the level of loot drop generosity significantly since Season of the Undying. Do you feel like this is a good thing and how Bungie can continue to help player engagement? I think it's mainly just a way to end a season to get you excited to make you feel like you had plenty of opportunities for god rolls. It's not that... I don't think it's that deep. Um, whoops, I clicked the wrong thing. Uh, Hawk and Rain, do you think Rasputin could have been running his own simulations in the forest to see who could win Then Osiris found out? There's no reason to speculate this. From one line, I don't think Rasputin was interacting with the Infinite Forest. Um, although, although the Infinite Forest is a Vex simulator, and that's technology, and there could be grounds to think that when Rasputin is told by Osiris, you know what I saw, he could be saying, you can interact with it as well as I can, you can run millions of simulations, you're a war mind." Maybe Rasputin can't interface with the, with the Infinite Forest because it's basically a piece of technology. It's a simulation, you know, it's a simulation system that the Vex build. Ginger 300, could we potentially see some of Braytech weapons revamp next season? I would love that. Uh, they already did something with the Winter Wolf. There's that one pulse rifle. There's that one auto rifle. They've got some really cool weapons. I also think the Braytech armor set's dope. Bulldog, do you think the seasons are taking more lore from D1 like in Dawn, what we got with Saint? I think it's all connected to some degree. I don't think they're intentionally targeting one piece of Destiny over another. Rum Swift. Kind of off topic with the current events going on, but do you reckon Bungie will decide to update the ordeals and nightmare hunts to have a higher power cap? Uh, on hand, I feel like we need this. Okay. I don't know if they have any plans to do a quality of life to Nightfalls in the middle of a season because I don't think that's the focus. I think the focus is the activity, the grind, and the season pass, and obviously trials. So if they do something like this with Nightfalls, I wouldn't hold your breath, and it would probably happen during a yearly thing where they say, okay, we, we, we had another year with a whole new leveling system. Here's how we're evolving leveling even more next season, or, or not next season, but in September. Carlos, if season 11 was the culmination of year 3, do you think there could be a final boss for year 3 where we basically tell the darkness to stop freaking with us? 
I don't know if that's ever going to feel like a a neatly tied bow. I don't know if there's ever going to be this. Yep, we are done with the darkness. Tie a bow on that and <laughs> on we go into the sunset. That doesn't feel destiny to me. I feel like the the looming threat, the looming tension it it if it's ever resolved it won't it won't feel like destiny, you know. I I, I don't know if there would be like this this strong strong sense of we done. It's all right, man. We're we're, we're able to we're able to go. Uh, we're able to be done. Um, that 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 feels like it would be potentially a, a weird. That would feel strange. I don't know. To me, there's always this sense that we're not completely uh, completely and utterly done. Um, Deej tweeted two minutes ago. He said, "As players, we have many opportunities in games." to form up in different kinds of groups clans, fire teams, squads, guilds groups need leaders what is the most important quality you look for in a leader bonus points if you mention a person who a person who embodies that ideal I'll hit that with a retweet um, that's a nice tweet uh, from Deej Droppy Eris Morn smiled at the end of the cutscene in Undying is it possible season 11 or the next big DLC continues with us going into the pyramid for a raid maybe Maybe, um, I don't know. She's got ulterior motives. We've known that since we killed or well, since Oryx took himself, (laughs) Oryx takes himself. And she's like, you were right. My queen, the guardian was the key. And then she says, I will not fail. It's like, wait, what? Or I will not fail again. She's always doing something, man. I, I don't know, dude. Like Eris Morn is, uh, (laughs) She's doing something else that we're not really sure about. I don't know. Um, Deej is trying to raise conversation about the tyrant. I don't know what you mean by that, BB Bay. I her rock. What's her rock? Her rock like inter- interacts with the power of the pyramid ship or something. It like absorbs it and and, and harnesses it. Maybe. What's her rock that she's walking around with? Um, I don't know. She's, she's got something else that she's cooking up, man. That's kind of what I think. Uh, it's an Aham Carabone. So she's just walking around with an Aham Carabone that can like interact with, absorb, and maybe even harness the power of the pyramid ship. Who knows what she's cooking up, dude? What if she's like, oh, okay, this is how we beat the pyramid ships. And we start building weapons with Aham Carabones. I don't freaking know, dude. Maybe when we destroy the sundial, the Ahamkara bone that's rumored to be inside of it that's been whispering gets broken into a bunch of pieces and we start to make weapons with it. And when we make those weapons, we, we, we're, we're preparing to fight the veil and the pyramid ships because we need those types of weapons because those types of weapons can interact with and stop those, those, uh, those enemy types i don't know i'm literally just speaking off the cuff here totally off the top of my head i don't know (laughs) i don't know who knows what she's doing man she's weird how does she see we don't know why is her face leaking the only way we're ever the only way we're ever going to know what eris is doing is if they show us (laughs) you know what i'm saying um we're going to take a couple more. We're right here at the end of Q&A. We know Eris has ties to Mara, but do you think that she could be referring to Savathun too? No, there's more lore entries to make it very, very clear that she was working for Marasov, not Savathun. Rum Swift. The final cutscene shows us talking to a doppelganger of our guardian. This is with respect to Shadowkeep. What if Eris 
Um, what if the heiress we've been interacting with isn't heiress and we retrieve the relic for a different reason to what we think? No. Wait. I um, don't think this is possible. No. Because they show us Eris Morn at different points doing different things. Dang it! What if that's true? I don't think so, man. No, 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 no. I'm already thinking of reasons why this wouldn't work. No. She has us doing things and she's haunted by her past and she's dealing with her past to too deep of a way for her to be like another version. What if she's doing that to learn about Eris to be more like Eris? Frick! I don't know! That could be... I don't know, dude. Why would she... What if she killed... What if it killed Eris to get her rock and needed the rock to harness that power? I don't know, man. That's deep. That's a deep rabbit hole. I feel like... I feel like this is unlikely for a couple of reasons. So I'm, I'm just flying off the seat of my pants here. I feel like them showing us her in a cutscene discovering something and all of a sudden having this problem and then coming to us and interacting with her own memories. I feel like too much of that is building the character of Eris as opposed to being like, this is somebody from a pyramid looking like Eris, getting us to help out and then fundamentally reliving those memories of her fire team so that it can become more like Eris and adopt and evolve into a more real version of Eris and that's why it's reliving those memories and it gets us in there and then it uses Eris's rock because Eris is dead somewhere and it uses Eris's rock to absorb that power from the pyramid ship and that's why Eris smiles I don't know that's freaking elaborate that is elaborate but I like it I like it that's that because there's a lot of context there that would be like, well, why would she be reliving those memories? Why would those memories be haunting her? Those memories could be haunting her because they know it's not her. <laughs> those memories are haunting her because they're like, you are not heiress. That's good. That's good. That's not bad. That's not bad, Rum. Dang it. How You locked my brain up for a little bit there. I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. This can't be true. This can't be true. I love Eris. I love Eris. There's no way it's not her. (laughs) Um, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So we're going to keep streaming. We're going to keep talking. We'll do some weeklies. We're uh, we're not donating yet. We're investing. Don't believe don't believe the lies of the people telling you to donate. Uh, so stick around. If you've enjoyed this segment, be sure to click follow and turn on notifications or follow me on Twitter. That ensures that you don't miss out on my content. It's a free way to support what I do. Uh, it's, a, it's like an interactive podcast. It's family friendly. You can keep me on in the background. And I am going to keep on streaming. I do a little outro here for the people listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube. You can always catch me live. And as always, please like share and subscribe.